Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Coffee with Tamara. As you know, we are now streaming live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, which is 10 a.m. Mountain or 12 p.m. Eastern, depending on where you are, or other time zones across the world. I know we have listeners everywhere, which is pretty exciting. And my kind of mission, my goal on this podcast is to interview people who are everyday innovators, disruptors, dreamers, but also doers, kind of dig into their story and learn a little bit so that we can kind of accelerate our success and elevate our game and go a little further faster. So I'm pretty freaking excited about today because um, I've known Supriya for, oh, I don't know, is it like 10 years now, I think, since we actually first met. And I have followed her journey and it's incredible. And I know that you're going to be as inspired as I am every single day with it. Now, I put out there when I post about this that she is an alopecia warrior and the voice of Baldy Boo. And I'm going to let her tell the story, but I promise you when I say warrior, and I don't say that for everybody, I 100% mean it because Supriya is, she's a warrior. So Supriya, why don't you go ahead and let's start by having you introduce yourself and share your story. And then, you know, I'll dig in with all my questions from there. Yes. Well, first of all, thank you for that introduction. I mean, you made me feel fabulous and wonderful. So thank you so much. <laughs> um, so yes, my name is Supriya Surrender, and I have alopecia areata, which is an autoimmune condition that causes hair loss. Um, my immune system sees my hair follicles as something bad, and it attacks them, which honestly is very rude, but you know, that's life sometimes. And I was diagnosed originally in 2013. I had a small bald spot on the back of my head. And at that point, you know, it was really no biggie. Uh, my alopecia was very localized to the back of my head. And I was able to get uh, steroid injections. They inject directly into the spot and it helped the hair grow back. So it was just a blip on my radar. I didn't think much of it until 2015. Um, one day I was getting ready for work and this was when I was really big into my teasing phase. So I would take my hair and I would tease it so it would get all the volume because I love the volume. And I noticed a handful of hair. And I, I'm an Indian woman. I've always been hairy my whole life. I've always shed a lot my whole life. But this was an unusual amount. And so that kind of, you know, I, it caught my attention and I noticed that it didn't stop. So all day long, if I ran my hands through my hair, I would just have hair falling out while I was driving. I would see it falling on me at the gym. We used to work out together. I would see it, you know, around the weightlifting bar. All, it was just constant. So that kind of was a bit alarming. Um, I knew it could be alopecia areata, but I was hoping it wasn't because at that time there were no treatments, no cure, no nothing. And so I knew if my hair was going to fall out, that that was it. I was going to have to live life as a bald woman. Um, I went to the doctor and they did confirm that I was having an alopecia areata flare up. And within three months, I lost all of my hair um, in 2015 that summer. And then the following year, I lost my eyebrows and all of my body hair. And then the year after that, I lost my eyelashes. But those a year later came back out of the blue. So I don't have any wood to knock on, but I usually like to knock on wood when I say that. Just like thoughts and prayers, they stay intact. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that's basically my hair loss story. It was a really dark time for a while. Um, but 
I've obviously made it to the other side now and found my light at the end of the tunnel. And here I am. So that means I've known you, by the way, then the more than 10 years, because I knew you before all of this started. Yeah. So, started. So, and I, I will tell you, I'll never forget. I remember being in the gym with you. We were doing toes to bar, which you were always better than me. At, and I was always like, oh man, she's so good. But I remember you put your hand in your, through your hair and a bunch came out and like, you kind of brushed it to the side. Like, I, I just can't even like hoping that wasn't what just happened. You know, like, I actually remember. Yeah. Will you though, will you talk a little bit about like, I know we're, like if you're just listening to this later or if you're watching us live and you have questions, which by the way, if you're watching live, the beauty of this is because it's on YouTube, LinkedIn and Facebook is you can ask questions and I will see them and I can ask them for you to Sabria. So will you talk about that, what that did to your identity? Because I can imagine going, well, it's just hair, no big deal, but it, but it's big. And you went through a lot around like who you are as a human when that started to happen. So will you share that arc in your journey too? Yeah. So hair, you know, when people say it's just hair, I always want to hand them uh, like a shaver and say, okay, well, shave your head and shave your eyebrows and get back to me. <laughs> because, you know, people cry over a bad haircut all the time. All the time and yeah. in those instances, people are like, well, it'll grow back. Well, in my case, it wasn't growing back. And, you know, there's so much more when it comes to hair and defining femininity, defining being a woman, um, I'm a South Asian woman, I'm Indian. So, you know, culturally, we're supposed to have, you know, the most fabulous, beautiful hair ever. And so while I was going through this hair loss, it was like witnessing my physical identity just disappear one strand of hair at a time. It was so jarring. And just, uh, I was in my thirties when I lost all of my hair. And so I had one face for three decades of life. And then one day, especially when my eyebrows were gone, I would just stare in the mirror and I didn't even recognize myself. And it's such a weird experience to see a stranger staring back at you because I expected to see the face I had known for three years, but once the hair is gone, that eyebrow, those eyebrows are gone, the eyelashes are gone. I was just like, who is this? Who is this? And kind of making peace. I really had to redefine my own identity through that. Do you, do you find that um, it, it's in those moments that we kind of, I don't know if disassociate is the right word, but like, I'll give you an example. I saw, you know, I've been up and down in weight my whole life and always had to fight that battle. And, but I remember there when I was really out of shape and for me, very overweight and not, I was a little bit in denial of it. And then I saw a photo of myself and it was like, that wasn't me. And the thing that was really hard for me about it wasn't that owning, I needed to get fit, right. I needed to change some cupcake eating that I was engaging in, <laughs> but also it, it was like the inside me didn't match the outside me. And, and there was this weird disconnect for me and that created a lot of imposter syndrome and not wanting to like put myself out there and kind of all these, I don't know if you experienced that, but for me, it was the disconnect between the two me's. Yeah. I mean, my whole life, I was obsessed with hair. You know, when I was a little kid, when flat irons were a thing, I wanted to flat iron my hair. I want my hair straighter in college. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When I was working um, my part-time job in college, I purposely was working at Sally Beauty Supply because I wanted access to all the hair things. I was always on the different 
forums trying to understand my hair, make it thicker, make it longer, all these things. So like hair was something that was always very important to me. So to have it taken away in such yeah. a awful fashion was so hard for me. And, you know, people are so quick to say, well, just get a wig. Well, unless you've ever actually worn wigs on the daily, it's never going to be the same. It never will look or feel like your hair. Um, you lose like certain sensations. Like I, one of the feelings I miss is when you come out of the shower and you just have that wet hair or you put it into a little towel or the feeling of blow drying it while it's on your head or just like going to the hair salon and having somebody style your hair or do like you miss these little things that you never even think about when you have hair. So I definitely felt like a disconnect from who I was and then who I had become. And sometimes it was really angering. Sometimes it was really frustrating. It would make me really sad because, you know, I've always taken care of my body in my adult life. I was always exercising. I was always eating right. I was doing all the things that you're supposed to do. So it felt like a betrayal to me that this is how my body would respond. It felt and that I had no control over it. You know, in every other situation, I want to lose weight. I go to the gym. I want to PR my marathon. I run a little bit more. But in this, I was just stuck. I just had to accept it. And that was a lot for me to process. Did you go through a phase of trying to control it? Or did you out of the gate realize there's nothing I can do here? Oh, girl, I tried everything <laughs> under the sun to grow my hair back. I essential oils, changing my diet, uh, meditating, writing in a gratitude journal, like anything that could possibly grow my hair back. And I did at that time, there were no treatment options, but there were experimental treatment options. So I tried all of it, you know, uh, Eastern medicine, Western medicine and right. everything in between. <laughs> Did, did that give you a sense of control? Did, you, did, like, did it help at all? Was it just more of delaying what is the inevitable, was the inevitable for you? It was just disappointing more than anything because at that point I would have given anything to stop the hair loss and anything to grow my hair back. And to have nothing work was just so disappointing. I remember there was actually a three month period where my hair was growing back on the back of my head and then it fell out in a week and so it, it yeah it was just there was no excitement about it. it was just always like false hope so clearly right you've gone through that arc and kind of up on the other side so i want to ask you some questions about before we get to the other side part i want to ask you some questions about kind of what you used to feel and think and i went and i dug around like a stalker on your social media <laughs> Cause I was like, I want, you know, I wanted to go back in time and be like, all right, what was, what were you posting and thinking about back then versus now? And yeah. one of the things that you said, but one of them that you said that really um, stuck with me is that, you know, you, in the beginning, you thought that um, you'd never have the confidence to go out in public without a wig mm -hmm. and that you'd never have love as a bald woman. Mm -hmm. So we just talk about what, was going through your brain or how like how all of that was swirling around you and your thoughts and your actions and your life at the time? Yeah, well, it's really daunting because society doesn't easily accept a bald woman. When you see it in the media, it's always either somebody that's sick 
or somebody that is a monster or a villain, you know, bald is never portrayed as a good thing. And so to find myself being living life as a bald woman, my initial reaction was nobody can know. I don't want anybody to know. I will always wear my wigs. I don't want to get questions. I don't want people to judge me. Like I was so scared of all of those things. So I really hid underneath my wig, literally <laughs> all the time. And I just had, you know, I, I was never super confident in dating as it was uh, a little bit before I lost all my hair. I had gotten out of a very difficult relationship. And so my self-esteem was not good at that point. So I had my self-esteem. It wasn't great. And then I lost my hair and then it went into the gutter. <laughs> so I just assumed if I couldn't love myself like this, because at that point I couldn't, who could love me like this, you know? And so I just kind of accepted my fate that I'd probably be alone forever. And then like that, it was what it was. Do you think though there's some truth to that? You just said something I think really profound, which is like, if I, if I didn't, couldn't love myself, then why would somebody else? I, I do think there's a little bit of truth in that because we, the energy we put out is the energy we get back typically. Um, and you, you kind of found that love again, which is amazing. Cause you're freaking awesome. You're like one of my favorite. <laughs> and anyone who knows you will says it. They're like, Oh my God, Supriya's the best. Um, do you, when you started to go through that transformation of like, you know, being comfortable with yourself and, and not just comfortable, I, I don't think you've just settled. I think you've like launched, you know, in, in a big way. What was that? I don't even know. I'm kind of talking in circles here, but it's, it's that phrase that you just said that really stuck with me of like, I didn't love myself. So how could anyone else? Um, so when you're kind of in your journey back, did that start with you on the inside versus the external world? Yeah, I think actually I look back and I'm really thankful that I wasn't in a relationship or trying to actively date during that time frame because I feel like I would have relied on my boyfriend to fill a hole. With, yeah, like all of the sadness, I would have relied on them to fill that emptiness I had within me. And so um, instead I had to find happiness for myself. And I think like that was the most helpful thing to finding a healthy relationship is I found my own happiness and then I found somebody that complimented it rather than relying on them to create the happiness for me. So, so I, yeah, so okay. I didn't to interrupt you, I just got all excited. I, I think there's a big lesson for everybody listening and watching out there around you know, that external validation is not all it's cracked up to be and it comes and goes. And it's really, it's, it's not enough to drive you forward at the end of the day. You can get it here and there, but you're not gonna, it's not gonna help you. And I really, what you just said there really spoke to me because I used to really, as confident as I've always come across, I've used to really look for external validation and need it. And I really, it took me a long time to, to get away from that. And now every now and again, I'll catch myself, you know, like yeah. they didn't acknowledge me for that. They didn't say thank you. And I'm like, oh yeah, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> but exactly. I, had, I didn't care anymore that it was co coming from the inside, you know, but it's hard. It is hard, especially this day and age with how rampant social media is. Yeah. It can be so easy to tie your value to how much engagement did I get? How much likes did I get? Oh, that person posted the same sound and they got 
a hundred thousand views and I got, you know, it's like so easy, but then that's not real life, you know, like real life is how do you feel about yourself? The people that matter the most to you, how do they feel about the relationship with you? And like, those are the things that actually matter in this world. Yeah. You know, I've come to realize it was social media. So I, I love it. I'm not an anti-social media person at all, but I, it, to me, it's, it is marketing and connection. It's not, um, my self-worth. So exactly look at it that way. It becomes a really cool channel to play with, but it's not, it's not something that I need to validate, you know, and I often keep the important things to myself. Those things don't necessarily go on social. Yeah. I feel the same way. I think it can be sometimes tough to navigate, but I love the ability it gives me to connect with the hair loss community. And I've realized that like, I'm not going to tie my value to what, Mark Zuckerberg decides the algorithm is going to be this week. Like, I just simply can't do that. And I can't, you know, the goal when I started my page Baldy Boot was to at least have one person with their hair loss journey. So that goal remains steady through. Like, if I'm helping one person with a post or content or things like that, like, that's all that matters to me at the end of the day. So I love that because also I think that's why your your real voice shines through in your post because it's not it's very clear that you're not posting because it's Tuesday at 10 a.m. and you need to post right yeah. you're you're like I have something to say and I hope somebody one on one almost right kind of hears this so we have a great question in from um, Suzanne so here's the question thank you Suzanne the question is um, when you decided to lift yourself up what habits or routines did you have to change to make that shift from going from no confidence to a ton of it. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing for me, the biggest eye opening moment was throughout the early part of my hair loss journey, I just didn't understand how a person could live life this way. And there was often days where I didn't want to be alive anymore. And so like that was a thought that I couldn't push out of my head. And it really shifted when in 2017, I actually had a massive pulmonary embolism. And so that was a moment where I realized like all this time I kept saying to myself, I didn't want to live this way. I didn't want to live. But like that was a moment where maybe my life could have gone away. And then I realized, well, maybe I do want to live, you know, like I was convincing myself that I did not And then I realized, actually, I do. And so like that happened leading into my 35th birthday. And, you know, I was having a really big pity party for myself. I'm like 35, I'm bald, I'm single, all of these things. And then I was like, wait a minute, not everybody gets to wake up for their 35th birthday. And I got that opportunity. So I can either choose to stay in my pity and let that be the center of my universe and just live these days miserable or I can think about the fact that I almost didn't get here, but I did get here. So now I can choose to live my best life. And so it was just a real conscious decision of I'm going to try to stay away from the negative thoughts. They're going to always be there, but I'm going to try to stay on the side of positivity as much as I can. I'm going to surround myself with friends that make me feel happy, fun experiences. Um, Every night I still write in a gratitude journal every night just to be thankful for the little things and, you know, consume media that makes me happy and just fight for my happiness every day. And it's not, I'm not perfect at it. I definitely still have days where it's, you know, I'm in a foul mood and everything sucks, but 
I think just, you know, when you have those moments in life, when you realize just how short life can actually be, then it kind of changes your perspective. Can we go back to that before we go on? Because sure. what you just said is really powerful. And it's, at least this is how I heard it. What I heard is, um, and maybe this is me projecting my own <laughs> stuff, <laughs> but what I, what I heard is, uh, you know, we make it hard on ourselves, right? Like we have a pity party and it wasn't until you really had your life actually at risk that you realized, wait a minute, why am I spending all my time not wanting to be here? Like I'm making that up in my head, you know, versus it needing to be my reality. And I, I, I really believe that all too often we make it worse and the situation worse and the, our perspective on it worse and the, like our mood and our emotions worse by almost by choice accidentally, right? I don't know that it's a conscious choice, but it's by choice. And I don't know if you felt like that when you got out of it, but I know that for myself, like when I wake up pissed off about whatever, fill in the blank, I know it's because I'm choosing to be angry about that versus like you said, focus on what's positive. I don't know if that's how you kind of experience it. That's how I took it. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of that, but also I do want to preface with, it's okay to also feel shitty because yeah. especially with hair loss um a lot of times people the first thing that you know we talked about earlier earlier they'll just say oh it's just hair like you're fine and so you get into this weird cycle of feeling sad but feeling like you can't talk about it because if you talk about it yeah people will yeah. diminish it mm -hmm. and so you know i just want to say if you're on like listening to this and you're struggling with hair loss and you're not able to see the good in it that's normal you know, we've all been there and it's okay to feel your emotions and live in it. I think for me personally, I was just at a point where it was like the sadness of it was just the center of my universe. And I had a very eye opening moment that forced me out to the other side. And so I feel very lucky in that because I know, yes, you can always choose to be happier, but sometimes it's not always that easy or simple, especially when you're dealing with something that affects you so physically, you know, because every day it, I was looking at myself and I had to see it, you know, it's not like something I could just hide away or squirrel away. It was front and center and you'd go to, I'd go to work and it'd be like, my wig is so annoying today and it's all I could think about or I would go like this and wipe half my eyebrow off and like all of these things. So it's just a constant. So I completely understand for people that can't get yeah. to the other side, but it, it's a lot of work. Yeah. But I think, yes. And I think you have to choose to do the work too. You know, that's the yeah. hard part. You have to choose. I, but I think what you're saying is, is good. I mean, it's, there's a distinction between feeling emotions and making it the center of your universe and, and having it, allowing it to drive everything that you do in your life. Those yeah. are two, I think they're two different things. Um, my dad once told me, he said, you know, it's a little bit like a roller coaster life in your emotions and how you experience it. And he said, but when you're down, you have to remember you were up. And when you're up, you have to remember yeah. you were down. And this point being like, don't give in to the highs and lows on either side, know and know that both are coming along the way too. And I was, I don't know, I always love that advice because it reminds me when I'm down in the dumps, like this too shall pass. Yes. Yes, because we've all survived everything that we've had to go through up until this point. So we're yeah. just going to keep surviving. We are. We are. Yes. Going. 
So you said, it's funny because you had said about kind of the, you know, making it like the center of your world. In another post, you said something that really spoke to me, which is um, you called your brain the rudest bully gaslighter. Yes. I love that. I was like, not just a bully, not just a gaslighter, and not just rude, but all three strung together. We talk about that because I just, that phrase to me, I was like, yes, I feel like my brain plays the worst tricks on me. Um, do you remember that song, My Own Worst Enemy? I think it's yeah. by Lit. Yeah, yeah. That is like the theme song for my brain, my <laughs> whole life. <laughs> because it's uh, like, I've been so lucky and blessed in my life that my friend group, my family, everyone has always been so nice and supportive. I've really never run into an instance where people externally have been rude to me about my hair loss, have made me feel overly uncomfortable or anything like that. Like I've been pretty lucky, but the person that's the meanest to me has always been oh. me, you know? And it, it it's, I feel like I've spent my whole life cause I've dealt with anxiety and depression. And so it's always me against my brain <laughs> at all times. And it's always me, like my brain being like, here's a bowl of, of negative thoughts and me being like, no, I'm trying to move to the other side of this. So yeah, that's gonna, that's been my biggest struggle my whole life. It'll probably be my biggest struggle of my whole life is just countering all of that negativity that my mind tries to create. So it's gonna sound like an odd question, but go with me. Have you named yeah. your negative thoughts, your primal brain? No, should I? Well, yeah, and I'll tell you why. It's so fast. The ne there's neuroscience behind it. It creates disassociation, like cognitive dissonance, which is the word to use. Uh -huh. And so what it does is it, if you're, so mine is Bernard. And Bernard uh -huh. and I have very long conversations. And I'm often heard by myself in the grocery store just going, not today, Bernard. <laughs> and it's the funniest thing, right? I look ridiculous. But that, uh -huh. that dissonance, right, that, that separation takes Bernard, which is all that junk that you say to yourself, out of the driver's seat and puts it into the passenger seat. And so I if, like it. Yeah. So for people who struggle with not letting those thoughts spiral, and I'm one of them, I have a rich imagination, which is a gift and a curse at the same time, right? Yeah. You take it and it becomes like a passenger. So, okay, it's there, it's telling you stuff, but that doesn't mean you have to listen to it. And it's made it I easier. Love or I'll it. Ask it. Like if I get really riled up, I'll, I'll say to Bernard, like, why are you getting so upset about this, Bernard? <laughs> like, in my head, I'm like, oh, because you actually feel insecure about X, Y, Z and is bringing up your junk from your childhood. And I'm like, okay, Bernard, now I see why we can move on. <sighs> so just a little thing I've learned along the way about self-sabotage. That is amazing. And all I have to say to Bernard is boy, bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs> yeah. So what, what do you do when when that happens. I think that's a that's an issue for most of humanity is the insecurity, the doubt, the fear, the all that stuff that becomes that negative chatter in your head and almost and oftentimes puts on layers of judgment onto stuff that nobody around you is actually doing, but you've decided like you're experiencing it that way because Bernard is insecure. Yeah, I think really like doing um, writing in my gratitude journal at night, I always listen to these short 10 minute meditations and that's helped me. And then we have a common friend, Laura, and um, she gave me these mantras a while back that have helped me so much, which were like, uh, I feel anxious, but spirit is allowing me to take anxiety away. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel like uh, I can't remember the full list, but it was like you acknowledge the emotion and then you set the emotion free. 
And so sometimes when I'm like really struggling, I will go through that set of mantra to just kind of recenter myself in my space, or I will just completely distract myself altogether by disassociating into reality television. So those are probably like my my three biggies. <laughs> so wait, let's break them down for a second because I like all three. Yes. So the, wait, the first one is you said gratitude journal. Yes. Um, I love that. I'm big. I do it every morning, actually, so that I start my, like, it gets rid of it in the daytime for me. Um, and yeah. I love it. And for people listening, if you don't know, gratitude is actually really important for opening up space for creativity and innovation and joy. It's not just something you should do because it's the flavor of the month and you like, you should be a grateful person. It actually does some stuff in your brain that's actually very helpful. So I love that. Um, talk a little bit about setting the emotion free. I've I don't know that I've ever heard it that way. I'm intrigued. How does that work for you? Yeah. So uh, I had, can I pull up these uh, mantras? Yeah, of course. My phone. I want to see. Um, let's see if I can find them. If I can't find them right away, I won't. But okay. No, I don't know where they are. But it's basically just, so it doesn't have to be spirit. It could be the universe. It could be God. It could be whatever kind of belief system that you have, but it would just be like saying the emotion out loud. I feel anxious, just acknowledging it because sometimes we try so hard to not acknowledge that it's there, that it becomes even more overwhelming because you're like, now you know it's there, but you're trying to say it's not there and you're just like in this mental turmoil. So it's like, I feel anxious, but spirit is taking my anxiety away. And so I'm acknowledging it and I'm setting it free, saying some uh, something else is just taking it away from me. And so that's been helpful for me because if I think I have to get too much into the groove of, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Then it's like, well, I'm not really fine. So like, let's actually be okay with the fact that this emotion is here. And then let's kind of like mentally or physically let it go. I really like that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. And it also reminds me of, I don't remember which podcast I was listening to, but they were talking about why uh, positive affirmations don't work because mm -hmm. it's a BS meter in our brains. Like, uh, no, you're not a millionaire. No, you're not as fit as you want to be. No, you're not fine. Like just acknowledge it. And I feel like every time I've been on the breaking point, so to speak, it's because I've been like, I'm good. I'm good. Everything's good. And then yeah. I'm like, I'm not good. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. But then like you, sometimes you just need to set it free. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. And then wait, what was the third one? The third one was meditation. Yeah. Yes. The meditation, I do that at the same time as gratitude journaling. I'm not like a meditation purist. Meditation more so, I'll listen to it and write in my journal at the same time. Otherwise, my brain is too all over for all of the quiet. I was going to ask you about that, Supriya, because I struggle with meditation and I'm yeah. probably the exact person who needs it. I mean, you know, me, I'm like super type A, you know, remember the running joke at the gym used to be that I, I have no tear ducts because I never yeah. cry. <laughs> and so I'm a highly passionate person, but like crying is hard for me. So I'm sure somebody somewhere is going to call me and be like, let's work on that tomorrow. Yeah. But, but, so I try to meditate, right? Because I know that that is really good for me, but either here's one of two things happens to me. Either I fall asleep because I'm running, I run hot or I'm the light switches off. Like there's no yeah. for me and I like running hot. It's, it's where my edge is. So I'm okay with it. But the minute I sit down on the couch, it's like, right. I'm out. Yeah. So Nobody wants to watch a movie with me. So, or I'm spiraling in my head and all the thoughts that have been quiet while I've been busy come out like 
tenfold. I'm like, where were all your thoughts? Like, where are all these thoughts coming from? So I struggle with meditation, even though I want yeah. to do it. So how do you like, how do you do it? Yeah. So one, I keep it short. So I have a, a couple YouTube pages that I follow that have either 10 minute or five minute meditations. And then two, I have my gratitude journal in front of me. So either I'm writing things I come up with, I'm writing things they're saying in the meditation, or sometimes I'll just go onto Pinterest while I'm listening to the meditation. And my Pinterest feed now, because I've done virtual uh, vision boards on Pinterest, it's a lot of like different quotes and things like that. So I'll just scroll through and I'll write down things that I see on there as well. Um, so that's kind of how I stay focused. Otherwise, if I'm listening to a meditation without anything else, my brain will be like, hmm, I could really go for some Taco Bell. Like it's just like so out of pocket. Oh, my brain's like either you need to sleep or you need to drum up every insecurity and BS thought you've yeah. ever had. Like, there's no I, I started, well, I listen to a lot of murder, death, kill podcasts. I like crime uh -huh. podcasts. All the time. But I yeah. started walking the dogs as my meditation because I can't, for me at this stage, sitting yeah. still. The other thing I started doing that has been totally game changing, and I promised I wouldn't be the person that talked on and on about it, but I've become that person, is the cold plunge. I oh wow love it you should come over and do it it is it is so good for your mood for it's like three well it's four i do four minutes but four minutes of like super uncomfortable and then you get out and you're in just a state of joy it's the weirdest thing so weird that's but giving me it. tough mutter flashbacks oh my god i remember when we did that <laughs> yes <laughs> the arctic was it the arctic enema yes yes it is giving me trauma flashbacks to tough oh mutter Oh my gosh. I haven't done one in a while. Mm -mm. I've retired. I've decided from extreme races. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I loved it. I, what, I did like five or six of them and then like five or six. Yeah. Like I was super into them for a while and I really loved them. And then, um, I don't know. I, I think you go through phases, right? Like, yes. One now I'm like, I, I still like to do extreme stuff, but it shows up differently now than it used to. That's I all. agree. Yeah. yeah. So I want to make sure we don't run out of time to, I want to talk about where you are now and how you're feeling now. And specifically, I, I want some tips like, Hey, like you're, you're, what I love about you, Supreme, why I wanted to have you on the show is um, I think you're really magnetic. And I mean, in the way of like you, you draw people to you because you radiate so much positive energy. And I don't mean positive like we were just talking about with like that false, like, I'm okay, everything's fine, but just you radiate light. And you you. Live, you're welcome. And you live in a space, I think, that's very um, real, but very like, I'm living my best life. That's actually the decision I'm making and I'm doing it. Where I think a lot of us talk about wanting to live our best life, but we're living the mediocre version of ourselves. And it kind of loops back to what we're saying in the beginning, beginning about when I saw that picture of myself and it's like, this inside me best life is not the outside me right now. And those two things are not matched. So will you talk about, talk about what your life is like now and kind of how you think about it, how you live it, how that drives your kind of your daily decisions, what you do, all that. Yeah. I mean, I think I've been so lucky when I started my social media platform, my goal was to help one other person. But what ended up happening is I ended up helping myself. And it was so cathartic. I was able to, you know, unload so many of these emotions. And then I was really able to 
find confidence within the community. So everything that I was scared of, I would see other people within the community, you know, doing these things. And it really inspired me. And I realized, well, if I push myself out of the box, I could also inspire other people to do the same. And so that's really, you know, something I often say is if you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel for yourself, look at, at others within the community because they can see it for you and they know it's going to get better for you. And so like that's really, you know, when I choose to live without my wig, with my wig, whatever way my alopecia decides to act that day. That's why I like to share it in hopes that somebody can see themselves in me and see that their days can get better too. And so that, you know, before everything about my alopecia felt so bad and sad and tough, and now it's just a part of my life. And, you know, I choose not to hide under my wigs. Wigs are something I do now by choice when I want to have fun or I want to enjoy life with hair. And if I'm like, it's too hot, I'm at the beach. I just want to be bald and free. Then that's what I'm going to do. And I'm just going to enjoy it. And I don't care. You know, if people look at me, they look at me. I really, well, I'm very short person. So one of the perks in life is I don't have to make eye contact with barely anybody. So I don't, I don't need to know if they're staring at, I don't pay attention. So, you know, do you really care really, if they are now? Yeah, no, no, I don't care at all. You know, I'm about to turn 41 years old and I'm just at a point in my life where I'm just like, whatever, <laughs> like whatever you think about me, it's fine that like, I don't sweat that small stuff anymore the way I used to, because the people that matter to me, they don't care. And so if a stranger cares, like, that's not my problem. Like, you're not for me. So I don't know if you feel this way. I feel like if you're gonna, if you have a question you want to ask me about my lifestyle, who I am, how I look, my ethnicity, my like, whatever it is, I would rather you just ask, even if it comes out, like fumbles out, I don't really care. I'm not gonna yes. offend it. So I, I would rather you have good intention. And if you're like, what is that like being bald? I'd rather you just asked me, you know, than like just kept it to yourself because you were afraid to say something. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm such an open book these days. If I'm wearing a wig and someone's like, oh, I love your hair. I love to just be like, oh, thanks. It's a wig. You know, it's, it'll, it just oh. pops out of my mouth now at this point. They'll be like, really? I'll be like, yeah, I have alopecia. I actually don't have any hair. And then just keep it moving. It doesn't always have to be this big, serious discussion, but now I'm not ashamed to say mm -hmm. I have it. I just own it. So you've said multiple times that, you know, you wanted to help one person, you wanted to, you know, maybe be a light for somebody else or serving others. How has putting your effort on helping others helped you in return? Oh my gosh. I, it fills my cup. It fills my cup because I feel like in this life, you can get so stuck in the grind of, career and this and comparison and that and all these things. But um, I remember once at my old job, there was this security guard. He's like the biggest ray of sunshine ever. And I was having a conversation with him and he was just like, I just want to change the atmosphere. I just want to put something out there to change the atmosphere. And that's my goal. And I just think it's so fulfilling because like on my worst days, I can go through my DMs and read a message from someone who might have been struggling and now they had a good day or they feel at peace or they've shaved their head or they bought their first wager and all of these things. And it just gives me so much purpose that no other piece of my life can provide. So I just think it's just 
really fills my cup and boosts me up. So I, you know, I do a lot of work with FIRE, the Forging Youth Resilience in Denver here. We do that CrossFit program for at-risk and underserved communities. And uh-huh. uh, I just stepped into the role of presidency this year. And I share that because I think in the last six months, I've been a little bit of a slump, just kind of like, oh, work feels like a grind. The economy is up and down. Like everything's been, feel, has felt like a slog. And it's been really funny because now that maybe about 25% of every week right now was going towards this organization. It was always, I always had effort there before, but now with this role, there's just a little bit more. But what's been really interesting for me, Sapria, is everything else feels more energized and I'm getting more done in my day. And like, I'm super productive and innovative and I'm connecting with people and I'm excited to connect with people. And I swear, this could sound so weird. I looked in the mirror the other day and was like, well, hey, you. And not because I was <laughs> just like, I felt like I was radiating confidence again, which had lacked a little bit for the last six months. So it was this weird thing of like, in all this effort, because I love these kids and the kids that we serve and I want them to have a better life. And yet I feel like I'm the one walking away with all the benefit <laughs> some days. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so important to give back. Yeah. And I think when you're a good person and you give back, then like the world gives back to you in ways you never imagined. And so, I mean, obviously I'm not giving back for like, come here world, give me something, yeah. but it's just like really cool in ways you never expected the things people say, the accomplishments. Cause I'm like such a hype girl. I love it when people I know and see are thriving. I love to see people like accomplishing things and doing things. So when I can see that and they want to tell me it's such an honor and so exciting and I just love it. Uh, it I always feel like it's a real, um, gift when someone tells you their story. In fact, my mom used to joke and tell me, she's like, no wonder you have a podcast tomorrow because when I was a kid, I'd come home and I'd be like, oh, I met blah, blah, blah on the bus today. <laughs> and my mom was like, "You, if you sat at the bus stop, you would know the life story of every single person at that bus stop. Like, <laughs> yes. like well, and I used to get super annoyed about it, but now I realize like, God, what, how, how kind, like that people are willing to share. What a gift that people will share stuff with you and that you made an impact on them. And I think you know, I, and what I think is cool about Supriya, what you're saying is uh, you don't have to be a warrior advocate about something specific the way you are or have a podcast like I do. You can do it in little ways every single day. Mm-hmm. Like I'll never forget. I was competing in a CrossFit competition and you came and cheered us on. It was for Lubird's. Lube yeah. Um, and like just having you being like, go tomorrow, like made me do two more wall balls, you know? So <laughs> Like little things add up too, don't you think? Yes, especially just pay attention to the people around you. You know, when you're working or whatever you do day to day, you can tell when somebody's energy has shifted. And so just simply checking on your people makes such a big difference in people's lives. Like, are you, hey, is everything okay? Like you seem a little down, things like that. You never know. And we're all struggling. And so you never know what somebody's going through. And maybe that day they need an ear. And if you can be that person, it's just incredible. Well, and you know, you said something else earlier about like, you know, you were having a tough time in kind of dating and then all this stuff happened with the alopecia. And I think that's a really important reminder too, to recognize that people don't have just one thing going on in their life. So maybe they come to work and they're in a bad mood and they didn't get the financial numbers they meant to. But remember that that's one of a stack of Legos in that person's life that they're dealing with. So maybe they're really angry about it because there's a million other things on top of that thing. And we, we forget that yes. sometimes like 
we we respond to people in isolation of what we see from them. Oh, I think about that all the time because the world is not black and white. It's just gray all the time. And everybody, if they're the way they act or their actions are because of a series of events that led up to that. And we don't have insight to what the series of events were. So if you give a little grace, sometimes that goes, you know, it's a mile, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, I was talking to my kids about this the other day and I was saying, you know, it's not that you can't have boundaries. Like my oldest has a friend in his life who's not so doing so hot and has, hasn't done hot for a long time. But I just said, you know, look, that doesn't mean that he need, can drag you down. You get to have your boundaries, but just have empathy, do it with kindness. Like have some empathy. Yeah. He, he's dealing with his things and he needs to figure his life out. You can be as a friend, but also have some boundaries, but do it nicely. And we forget that sometimes. Yeah. So okay. I, don't, I don't know, Supreme, if you would change anything about your journey, but if you were to go back and give yourself three pieces of advice based on what you know now being kind of totally on the other side, what would you tell your your earlier self that was dealing with the struggle and the pain and the like the shift in your life and who you were? Yeah, I mean, I would tell myself that this disease that you thought was going to be the thing that ruined everything of your life it's going to give you more passion and purpose than anything else you've ever experienced in your life. You are going to get the coolest opportunities that you've ever had and that you never could have imagined for yourself. Those are coming. You are going to meet the best people that you've ever met. And you're really going to find the best version of yourself through this. So hang in there. You can't see it, but a world is opening for you. And, um, one just last little piece of thing I would say is something I didn't realize back then, but I realize now is that anytime a door closes, something bigger and better is on the other side. So don't get frustrated by the closed doors. There's always something more incredible on the other side. Okay. I'm so glad you said that because I have a question for you on that. You ready for it? Because oh, I was yeah. thinking about this this morning as I was my pre-podcast rituals to kind of just mill around with my coffee and think about the person and what I'm going to ask and what like what impact we're going to make. And um, I grabbed this mug that has the Northern Lights on it from Alaska. Mm. So I went, I saw the Northern Lights. They were amazing. But the first night I woke up in the middle of the night to look and I didn't see anything. And I told Jeff, I was like, no, nothing to see. Go back to bed. And the next morning, the person that we were renting the Airbnb from texted us and said, did you see the lights last night? They were amazing. I was like, what are you talking about? There was nothing. And so the next night I got up, we got up again at midnight and one o'clock in the morning and they were the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. However, here's what I realized in the moment, this goes to your doors, is I didn't see them the first night because I wasn't, I didn't give myself time to, to see them, right? I, I looked up there, I saw what looked like some contrail, like, you know, airplane contrails in the sky. Did, and it was like, that's not it, obviously. So I went to bed. And the next night I had to stop. I had to like focus. I had to look. And then once I did that, the sky lit up with the Northern Lights. And it reminded me as I was getting ready for this interview that sometimes we don't see the opportunities in front of us. We don't see the, the a different perspective. And I think sometimes with the doors that you just mentioned, when one closes and one opens, I think sometimes we close a door, but we don't see the new doors, even though they're right in front of us. There's like a door, a window, a pathway, someone being like this yeah. way, this way. And we're like, no, I don't, this is horrible. I don't see anything. So how did you realize those doors? How do you, how do you see those doors? Because 
I feel like in my life I've missed them a lot. And, and it's because I wasn't, I didn't give myself a chance to see them, not because they weren't there. Honestly, I wish I had the secret sauce to seeing the doors. It's usually after the fact that I realized they were there. And then I'm like, wow, that would have never happened if X, Y, and Z happened. So I'm just trusting in faith that anytime something closes that I didn't want it to close, that something better is on the other side. Uh, I did a yoga at Red Rocks once with one of my friends last summer. And in the meditation, they said, all it takes is, you know, like a 1% change or a one degree change to change your whole entire life. And it's so true. And it's not always about these big moments that cause these big ripple effects or these big things. It's the smallest changes in your life can lead to the biggest events on the other side. So there's two things you said that, that I want to make sure we highlight. And one is trust. I think there's something in the trust that allows you to see the open doors that you wouldn't see before. And then I think there's something in action too. And I, I don't know that you said this specifically, but just knowing your story, I think when a door closed for you or you closed a door, you took action in a different direction. You may not have known where that action was going to take you, but you didn't stop. You took some action. Yep. And that action kind of kept that door open or took you down a, door, a path that led to an open door. So I think trust and action um, are really key to that. It's not just a, I don't know, I, I have a lot of faith, but also I think action has to be a part of that, don't you think? Yes, I 1000% agree. And then it's just, you know, start small and just, you know, whatever that could be. So if it is writing in a gratitude journal that day, if it's deciding to look for a therapist, if it's deciding to, instead of listening to sad music, I'm going to listen to happy music today. Instead of watching a sad movie, I'm going to watch Friends or something that makes me happier today. And all of those small little things that you do, if you choose that choice, it's going to make your life much easier down the road. I So I used to... Um, you know, I work from home most of the time and I like noise and I can't always go to a coffee shop because I need to both of my screens and like, you know, all the reasons. And I would have Netflix on in the background, just binge watching Netflix. And I don't know, I never really watched anything. It was just there, but I felt like it was pulling my attention away. So I started watching motivational videos <laughs> while I was working and I had no idea what was happening, but I was in the best mood. And I'm like, why do I feel so positive about my future? And then I realized because in the background, was all these positive affirmations hitting me all day long that I wasn't really listening to, but they were seeping in to myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that. Now, wait, you said in the beginning or in the beginning, somewhere in our conversation that the other thing, it, it was meditation, gratitude and the mantra, but it was also um, reality TV. So for yeah. real, what, what's your favorite shows? Let's, let's swap shows. Okay. Um, right now I, this is so random, but I cannot stop watching below deck, like random, yeah old seasons of below deck sometimes i pretend i'm working on a yacht i will when i'm feeding my cats and my foster cats i pretend they are my charter guests oh, I love it. <laughs> and i am tending to them on a yacht in the middle of the mediterranean so oh, I that is my go-to show okay yeah and then i also i love traders i love uh, amazing race like what's yours i love it um so I love, I just finished the season of Love on the Spectrum. 
Oh my God. I love that show. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now that my friend and I decided that the way we're going to judge if we like people is if they really truly love love on the spectrum, because it is a show that is full of light and love and honesty. And I cannot get enough of it. Could not get enough. It was way too short. They way needed 17 more episodes. Yeah, like, how is this already this season already done? I know. I know. I love love on the spectrum so much. It brings me so much joy. Like, and mm -hmm. it brings me so much joy. I love that show. And so I, I'm a, I'm a sucker for all those kind of like married at first sight. Love is blind. Yes. I, I just, you know human behavior fascinates me and to see these people present their best self and then fall apart or their real kind of nasty side comes out so quickly or they can't deal with figuring out how to get to know each other to me it's fascinating to watch all of that unfold um yeah behavior you know i like to see someone's story and a perspective yeah. that we don't normally see on everyday television because i think that's really how you forge a acceptance is getting access to seeing sides of life that you normally don't see. Um, I always say that's the double-edged sword side of social media. Sometimes there can be a lot of negativity, but the biggest positive thing is you can pick up your phone and find a community that you never knew anything about. And so you never have to struggle in isolation anymore. If you're going through something, you can pick up your phone and find 54 different other people that have felt every emotion you have and understand you in a way that the people in your physical community may not be able to. What a, wow, that's what a great use of social media, you know, cause we always talk about the body image issues and all, I think all that stuff is true, but what a great, what a great approach to us just to say, well, look, let me look, let me find my people. Let me find yes. my people and let me connect with them. And people are, I just did a Tony Robbins. He just did this live thing. And I, so I watched it for three days and what I was amazed by, he's brilliant. So I love him. But what I was really floored by were the comments. So I got, I kept getting stuck in the comments because someone would say I'm having a really bad day and I'm trying to figure out my husband died and blah, blah, blah. And all these people would rally around this person. They don't know the person. There's people from all over the globe. There's like a hundred thousand people on this call, whatever. But it was so cool to see somebody put something in there that was very real and honest and everybody respond. And I guess, well, I can't believe we're almost out of time, but my last question for you is, maybe it's a question, but get your thought on. Um, I think we're in a phase where people actually want real and honest and the curated and the, like, it's okay to, to put your best self forward. I'm a, I'm a fan of that. But I think we want to know the real people, even if it's on social. Yes, I 1000% agree. I think actually people, always kind of wanted that but you know everything when the pandemic happened it was so hard and difficult yeah. so it was easy to just disassociate into TikTok and just watching little goofy dances or skits or lip syncing over a voice or all of these things but like now you know we're getting back into our normal lives and we just crave that authenticity because a lot of times it's like everything I do, I feel like I'm being sold something or this and that. And it's just, I miss the stories. I miss the people and yeah. we're, we're kind of penduluming back to that. Yeah. And I, um, through the, the, the COVID years, mm -hmm. I found that I really missed and needed community. So 
-hmm. I love my alone time. I'm very comfortable. I can be alone all weekend and not talk to anyone and be perfectly content. But also I need my community and I need my people. And it, it was really hard during those years. And it's, and I had to, you know, what's interesting about it. I don't know if you experienced this. I, um, I got so used to not having the community because everything was shut down that um, I had to push myself back into it, even though I knew it fed my cup. It was like, I got so used to not having a community that I, I almost struggled. Like it took me longer to get back into it than it should have. Um, even though I know I, I agree. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like the first few times that I started going back out to dinner with friends and stuff, I had forgotten how to have a conversation. <laughs> and how much you like it, right? Yeah. To retrain those muscles and how to not be an awkward human being in public. <laughs> I know I, as humans, we have now gotten to a phase where we, some of the behaviors we would do alone at home, we do in public now, you know, <laughs> I feel like we've 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 got some work to do as a species. Yes, yes, yes. So to close out, Sabrina, this has been so so amazing. What what's kind of a final piece of advice you have for anyone out there who's like, I really want to live my life my way, which is I think what you ultimately ended up doing. Um, but I'm scared to, or I don't have the tools to, or maybe they don't. Maybe they do have a big event. Maybe they don't that pushes them, but they know they want it. What advice do you have for them? Yeah, I would say my biggest advice is that life is so short and you deserve to live the kind of life that you've always wanted. Everybody will always have an opinion, but the opinion that matters the most is your own. And if you are choosing a non-traditional path or if you're going through something that people don't understand Seek out your community, however that may be, and just live your best life because you deserve it so much. You know, we're all going through this fight of life and everything is hard enough as it is. So if you are living it in a happy and positive way, that will just have a ripple effect for those around you and nothing but good things can come from living a good, happy life. I think that's a great, I have nothing, that was a mic drop. I have nothing to add. That was great, Sophia. <laughs> Thank you for your time. We got a lot of love it. I'm so inspired. I'm going to go find my passion. I'm going to go grab my passion was another comment that I got over Instagram while we were talking. So a lot oh, of inspiration. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Love it. Yes. Thank you. Hold on my end stream and then we'll come back. <laughs>